You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. David Hall. Hello, hello. Nick Williams. Hey, everybody. And Will Gibson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey. All right, so we're uh, live. We don't have a special guest today. I screwed up the uh, scheduling as usual, but uh, we'll get them next week. Uh, but let's talk. Wait about a minute. Wait the, a minute. Uh, Is there was there a time change this weekend? Yeah, that's probably why. But I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea because it's sometimes I'm two hours away from Eastern, and some days I'm sometimes I'm three hours away from. Eastern, so it uh, is confusing. But uh, let's jump right to topics. Uh, the first one. The pro race was at Darlington, the second to last race, and uh, I kind of missed the beginning of it, but it was a a, a long green run there for a while uh, in the beginning portions of that race. And then there was a big wreck where uh, a couple of them got together, uh, you know, the guy was trying to pass to the inside and he ended up coming up into him. And uh, that bunched the field up and, you know, kind of was cautions after that. But with eight to go, uh, when I got home and was watching it uh, on my big screen, uh, Mike Garigula uh, stayed out on old tires. Um, and he, like everyone else pitted for tires and he was like on old tires. I don't even know how old, but like 25, I want to say 25 laps or something. And he stays out and takes the lead and... Uh, of course, the in- inevitable happens. He as soon as the the restart happens, he falls back uh, immediately, and you know to fifth, and then eighth, and then twelfth, and then uh, it wasn't long after that he hit the fence pretty hard. Uh, a bunch of people got wrecked in that as they all fanned out down the back stretch. You know, at Darlington, you can all fan down to the to the infield quite a bit there to miss stuff. Uh, but a lot of people involved in that one. Uh, then there was another uh, issue with Nathan Lyon. He actually beat Michael uh, Garigula to the line on the restart because Michael's tires were so old that he spun them on the restart. And um, iRacing actually issued a manual pass-through penalty after reviewing the replay. And um, so I guess he didn't get uh, penalized by the system, but uh, it sounded like from the commentary that perhaps... Uh, you know, Tyler Hudson or whoever's watching over uh, issued a manual uh, pass-through, so that put him back. It wasn't like uh, it was close. Uh, Nathan Lyon had cleared Michael uh, Garigula by about two car lengths. Um, after that, three to go. Uh, Ray Alfala was a leader. Uh, Graham Bolin, Kane Cook, Ashton Crowder, uh, Chris Shearborn, uh, Bob Bryant. Uh, Ray uh, on the restart gets a great restart. Uh, second was the battle to watch. It was, uh, and then Bolin uh, catching Ray on the final lap. I think if he had some more, he probably would have got him. But uh, he gets the inside into three, but Ray rolls that outside and wins the race. Uh, they did wreck deep in the field uh, coming to the checker. So the finish was Ray, Bolin, Crowder, Cook, Sherburn, Allen, Bryant, Cody Bias, Bolton, Schoenberg. Um, <clears throat> Top five in the points uh, locked in after this race with one race to go in the pro series. Yeah, I was I was I wasn't really surprised on the penalty on Lions on that final restart. I was watching it and you could tell when Gorilla spun the tires 
the Lions, he did get like two, three car lengths, and I assumed he'd get a penalty just from the automated iRacing system. And at that point, I kind of knew Ray had the lead, and I think they paced for two laps, and the Lions held his spot. And I was like, oh, okay, the system, I don't know what happened, but he didn't get penalized. And then um, they made the call over the uh, broadcast that Lions did get penalized, and that was kind of a bummer for him. I don't think there was a whole lot he could have done. Because Aguirre just did not go. Um, it's kind of hard to judge a restart. And then the other guy on the inside just doesn't go. What about the decision Mike G made there? Um, I mean, anybody in iRacing knows that's going to just bite you, bite you, right? Yeah, I mean, back in the day prior to green white checkers, I would say there's a possibility at that level you could get away with picking up a few spots. I don't, I don't remember where he was running prior to the caution um but especially now with the green white checkered system you're given like three or four chances to have them jump you it's just doesn't seem worth the risk but he, he thought it was well if he was deep in the field you know and he he takes the lead and then he's thinking okay if i fall back to 10th that's still a good finish you know and that's probably what he was thinking you know i've been there done that in fact i've won some races by staying out on old tires this on on the at the end of these races and so that's what he's thinking. He was trying to do the thing, what I've done, but it just didn't work. And this race with these people, with this caliber of driver, yeah, they just ate him alive. I would can, say, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. It can go. It can come down to the tire wear, but um, a lot of times when you see it not work out really well for a driver in, in in like an NIS split or an A open, it's because that's a driver who's just not that fast to begin with. So it, I guess it depends. You can pull it off if you've got the pace. Um, but if you're already not that fast to begin with, you combine old tires and not having the pace, you will get eaten alive. Yeah, I think Bolin made a really smart move on that restart. Because um, once Lions checked up, Bolin was side by side with him right to the line, making sure he didn't make that pass. And that had to been really hard to do. Um, same thing for Ray. I think Ray restarted like four, so he was on the high side. He just had to manage his pace. But a bowling dropped down real quick, got right to his door, and just held it. Um, and it definitely paid off for those two for being heads up on the situation. Yep. And then top five in the points locked into uh, the series, formerly known as the Peak Series. I don't know what to call it. But anyway, Graham Bolin is the points leader. Ray Alfala is second. Bob Bryant third. John Gorlinski fourth. Nathan Lyon fifth. Those guys locked in. Uh, and so congratulations to Ray for getting back in. That uh, was something everyone was watching for. And uh, we got some new people uh, that are going to be in the series for the you know first time, like Graham Bolin. As far as down at the cutoff, uh, yeah, Michael G is sitting 21st. And remember, only the top 20 make it. And so uh, he was probably going to make it into the top 20 in points if his little uh, thing had worked out with staying out on those tires. But who knows? Excited for the last race. This has been fun to watch, and I think the reason is the Podium Esports uh, broadcast. Uh, those guys are just killing it. I mean, uh, Taylor Burris and and, uh, and 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 everybody over there. They're just uh, you know, uh, it's fun to watch. The announcing is good. It's relevant what they're talking about. They're talking about you know uh, the points, everything. So it's uh, it's entertaining. Yeah, and graphically. 
they have one of the best broadcasts I've seen as far as their overlays and 3D transitions and stuff. Cameras, yeah. Yeah, everything they do there is really top-notch. Um, looks like there was a little hiccup with custom car numbers um, in the broadcast. I don't think I've noticed that in the past. But all in all, you're right, that is a great broadcast. They were highlighting the new uh, painting stuff a little bit and talking about that. And there was at least one car that was high, uh, showcasing some of those new items from paint. Well, let's keep moving. Uh, David, we got hot fix number one for season one. Yep, they're already on top of all the bags. You know how it is uh, with you. You can do all the beta testing you want, but until you put it out in the real world, uh, some things just don't turn up. So we've got a, quite a few fixes. You can see the show notes for the links, but uh, we fixed the AI driving, turning left on green flags when, when there's rolling starts sometimes. Um, and they've also, the AI received some new pace lap training, which would make them less aggressive on the throttle. And, and based on the way they say that, it sounds like they're using actually using some machine learning in the training of the AI. That's uh, for anybody who's an AI nerd, that's interesting. Um, and also, the official iRacing AI sessions will now be generated with the iRacing beta interface is first launched. Uh, you guys want to chime in on that before we move to the next uh, header? I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I'm waiting for the oval stuff. Uh, I don't own the Porsche, so. Yeah, I didn't want to buy, buy that particular car either. I tried a little bit. It seemed pretty fun, but it was hard to judge because I don't, you know, I'm not much of a road racer and I don't know that car, but it seemed fine. <laughs> yeah, I took them to Road America, I think between 75 and 100% strength. There, It was a little buggy on the start last week. I had to try it again this week, and I went from like 30th up to 10th. Um, but during the driving on track, they were really good, respectful. Um, they did make lunges into the turns, and they were definitely faster than me. So I would say um their speed and strength is really really good i think there's a, a definitely a great starting point definitely I, i'm sure it'll give an advantage to some people who do want to run with ai a little bit more and i, I see the advantages just in being able to practice in traffic because i i hate i hate practicing um in a practice session you got you're, you're around somebody who's got 30 lap older tires so you have no idea how you're really doing compared to them or if you're doing working on an oval car, you know, with the current package, working on a set with your car by yourself is just about pointless. You don't really know what it's going to do until you put it in it. We've talked about that before, until you put it in that spot. Um, Draft, yeah. yeah. Another thing that they worked on is the cautions. The, the new caution mode with the cautions do not camps count when uh, there's a full caution. It's currently still disabled. They're still working some kinks out it, out in it. And they're trying to get it fixed as soon as they can. They also fixed an issue on restarts to correctly go single file when there's a certain number of laps per finish. On most cars, they've adjusted some stuff with the tire rates and coolings, or the tire wear rate and cooling. And they've also updated all the season setups. And the tires, uh, the warm, uh, the warmers, the tire warmers. And that's with the V7, the tires that have V7, and I think that's actually going to be covered in the next topic. Um, they've also got the uh, supercar Ford and Mustang Com Commodore. They've done some blow-off dampers to help absorb curb impacts better and reduce the likelihood of being launched up into, onto two wheels. I guess they were having a lot of trouble with those, those cars uh, hopping up on the side. And they've also reduced the grip a little. And the tire degradation has been increased. Okay. Uh, Chris, let's break out that uh, V7 tire changes. 
my understanding is basically they added uh, uh, tire warmers on all the cars, even like the cup car. Yep. Yeah, they sure did. Um, Eric Hudek came out on the forums with kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a State of the Union type address, I guess, for um, the V7 tire, where it's at now, and some of the concerns that people have been having with it. And um, one of the biggest things that people have been having a problem with is how cold the tire is at the start and just how, you know, those first couple of laps, it's just like driving on ice cubes. And um, a lot of people didn't feel, you know, you want to have cold tires, you want to feel kind of slick, but not quite um, what we've been experiencing. And so they're adding tire warmers, which is, you know, something they have in real life. Kind of uh, to warm up the tire a little bit before you go out on track, so you're not going out on those ice cold tires. Now, it makes sense for the first set of tires on on a stock car because they get a lot of pace laps. You know, to get those tires warm, they run, they they parade around three or four laps, get a lot of scrubbing in, and just get get heat from the track uh, into the tires. But I I wonder if it's realistic when you're coming off the pits because they don't they don't have tire warmers. When they're actually coming off the coming off the pits off of a say a green flag stop, I kind of read this as a temporary fix, you know, um, to just kind of solve a, a potential you know little issue that they have with the coldness at the beginning. And so, yeah, it is an essay, so to speak, if you want to go read it. But uh, he talks a little bit about how with the current package and some tracks, there's not a lot of wear to begin with, and we got to remember that. And so some people aren't taking that into account and uh, so that was something else that was pointed out and that's something i feel like they've addressed in the past um i remember they referenced a feature called like smoothing or something of that that nature that they're working on to kind of accommodate rain in the future and it sounds like this v7 tire is built more for that system than the current system so the way it doesn't really how do i put it into words the tire doesn't react to different abrasion levels of the track. It's just like a static amount of grip. So the way it conditions and heats up isn't proper. So they're just using these uh, tire warmers, as they call it, or just starting with the tire at a warmer temperature kind of offset that issue. But I'm sure as we get closer to the release of rain, we're going to get some update to the track surface and different grip levels around different parts of the track, which they do have scanned. I think you're right. This is just a stopgap till we get to that point. Yeah, this is our giant spoiler. <laughs> this is our stuff stamped on the car to get ready for that 2020 thing, you know, our version of that. Yeah, and he does talk about the high camber thing. Uh, he said high camber settings will heat up and wear the tires more than lower cambers. Grip will go away if they are set too high. The current limit of 6 degree, however, are totally reasonable for most situations. Those being colder track temps, short run strategies, and qualifying setups. And then Keegan Leahy was asking... Uh, hey, you know, uh, since six camber is reasonable and the tire model can handle higher cam uh, camber, can you open the garage limits back up? And he, and Eric Hudak uh, said, hey, I'll pull the setups and see what folks are racing. So pull the setups. Huh? I've had a feeling they could do that for a while. Well, sure. I would hope they could. Just, I feel like they should pull the setup for every peak driver or any pro driver after any pro race and double check anything because if you're going to see exploits, that's where you're going to find them and put a stop to them before they're public to everybody. Maybe one or two guys might have an advantage, but uh, I I was not surprised at seeing that. <laughs> no, I was a little surprised and worried that he said he'd pull the setups to see what folks were racing after 
Keegan quoted the camber on everybody's car for like the last two years, though. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, I guess we'll take a look at it. Is that the is that the camber people are running these days? What I'm satisfied about is that they're looking at it, that they can look at it, that they are looking at it, they have looked at it. They probably are watching the peak guys and see what they're doing, look for trends or, or exploits, like you say. And so that's great because that's like, nascar you know you got to have an officiating body to make sure everyone's on the equal playing field and uh really happy we have people like eric hudak who are actually doing that yeah another part of this and so someone kind of chimed in on the forums they said you know if you have these tire warmers that are you know keeping your tires warm off the track once you go out and pacing you would think it'd cool off a little bit so he was wanting to know if um you know swerving back and forth would heat up your tires enough to make a difference and hudak um I'm quoted here saying it definitely does. So that sucks, but <laughs> you can't make that argument anymore. Those fools are, are doing it for a good reason, apparently. Well, I mean, when the real guys do it, they don't just do it for heat. It actually gets some of the garbage that the Marbles. tires pick up as they, as well. Yeah, but the, the real guys can do it because they're professionals. <laughs> so this is, so I've never scrubbed tires. It's always been, you know, something like new and rookies. But now, with this being said, maybe we need to be scrubbing tires every single time. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, the official stuff NIS is going to be really funny on the star snap. I think everybody's going to be doing that. I think a lot of leagues will probably just ban it. <laughs> I think we have to. Uh, you look at Max Verstappen on the Brazil uh, Formula One race on the last restart. It, you saw how he, aggressive he was with uh, scrubbing his tires right as they were coming to the checker, too. I almost feel like it's another advantage to kind of keep the other cars at bay so they're not right up on you, too. But I'm going to start scrubbing. I mean, why not? You know, it looks like it's an advantage, and so why you should probably do it, I guess. Uh, what else? There was another uh, post here about uh, from Liam Brotherton. And um, one thing, I you know, he kind of... Uh, summarized what I was thinking about after reading what Eric had posted. And I'm going to read a couple th- of sentences of it here. He said, honestly, extremely impressed with this post. I said on build day that this tire is a huge step forward on so many driving things, but had two issues that prevented me from fully liking, fully liking it. A friend of mine and myself discussed putting tire warmers on all cars in order to fix the heat up phase problem. And bam, we get tire warmers. Great to hear all the details on why there wasn't fall-off at some tracks and fall-off at others. Really excited to the future of the service with this tire and the feedback we are hearing. Yeah, I think it, I think it's great that they put this post up. I think transparency is the best thing they could do. Um, and really anything iRacing does. But for it to be a new tire and be such a big, important step in the future, and there are issues that people have found with it, and for them to announce like, hey, we see this. We know what's going on. This is where we stand with the problem. I think is, I mean, great because I know when the whole monster trucking and Max Camber thing kind of came to be, they were kind of quiet for a while. And that, I think, made the community more toxic. And I think this is something that going forward, they should really kind of look at doing every few weeks or every month just to kind of keep people up to date with what's going on and the process. I think that keeps everybody happy and understanding that it is an evolving process entire and it's uh i think it's just great that they are open and transparent well especially when it's on my car the a car the car we're driving in the nascar iRacing series so 
you know, it's a long time till Daytona 500, so I hope they get it all sorted by then. Uh, the whole tire warmer thing, I mean, as you as us getting in the car and driving, I don't think we're going to notice that, that except, you know, it's just not going to feel as slick the first couple laps. That's the only thing you're going to really change, right? Yeah, and to me, I mean, it's, uh, so these are just kind of a couple of the complaints that people have with the tires, but just the tire as it is now, I think is still a little bit better than what we had before. I mean, you just have to be careful for the first couple of laps, but the wear seems to be more even. Um, they don't seem to wear enough, you know, is uh, what a lot of people are saying, but, I, you know, it's not like it's totally broken or anything like that. So I think we already have something that was better than what we did and everything going forward is just going to be an improvement. So I think at the come day tunnel, we're going to be good. Yeah, I feel good about it, so... All right, let's keep moving. Will, the iRacing World of Outlaws. Yeah, qualifiers started this week, uh, the 2020 Season 1 for the World of Outlaw NOS Energy Sprint Car Series. Um, the B-Class Sprint Car is going to be the qualifier for the remaining 20 spots for the 2020 World of Outlaw World Championship. So if you guys are looking to qualify in for that, uh, make sure you get your starts in and uh, good luck. Yeah, why not run it every week and just see where the points shake out? You know, top 20, make it. Uh, it's official racing. They run every two hours, every day of the week. So our next headline is uh, about the spec maps and team racing. And I actually discovered this bug myself and had a thread about it as well as somebody else. There was a problem with it not loading the spec maps correctly when you joined one of the team servers. This came up when I was going to run this uh, the charity race last weekend at Le Mans and it it just wasn't loading them up correctly they they posted a, a patch that they think they had it fixed and they didn't completely they set one bug up uh, but at this point uh, as far as I can tell it's fixed uh, it's been running fine uh, the trading paints was on top of this and and fixing the bugs and communicating with the community really quick yeah, so it's updated what two or three times so far. They've had they've done a couple of fixes that the, fixes a couple of fixes they were able to actually do server side without a, without putting out a release, and they put out one release to help fix it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's working for me. So I, now I don't have any of the new paints up yet, but um, I hope to have some by uh, when season starts. Uh, talking about paints, Nick, uh, what'd you find, Nick? I'm Lost sorry, it. I didn't hit the button. There you are. <laughs> Uh, we've got a free paint thread here in the forums. I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it's Udo Washheim, I believe. Posted up a thousand plus paints on uh, on the forums, um, free for download. And uh, I think we've got NASCAR Cup cars. I think I saw some trucks on here. Xfinity, thousand plus paints. And he's also starting to make some custom or some driver suits for the schemes. So uh, if you're looking for a paint that's, I think a lot of these are NASCAR cup cars or truck cars or anything like that that's actually been raced and you've seen on TV, um, head on over to that forum and uh, check it out. And the date is, it's he started this 2014, this thread, and it goes till now, 2019, almost 2020. And he's been putting paints in this thing ever since. And that and a thousand is a lot, a, a lot, guys. If you think about it, and so for example, on the first, when you go to the first post, he has a, a description like Jamie McMurray, and he lists like four dozen paint jobs for Jamie McMurray, and then he's got Brad Keselowski, and he's got another three dozen Brad Keselowski different 
paint jobs. And so if you're looking for a particular paint job for your, one of your cup drivers or something, this is the source. And uh, he does link uh, to trading paints uh, where you can get it. So it's pretty cool. I was just stunned seeing how many pages of paint jobs this guy has done and how much work. It's 74 pages long, this forum thread. I almost wonder if this guy ever even gets a chance to race. I mean, he probably doesn't yeah. race, yeah. But he puts yeah. up nice screenshots of the, of the paint job and then a link where you can get to it on trading paints. It's just perfect. It's not just the like the more famous guys either. He has like twenty of Ty Dillon's truck, and like I don't even know who Shane Lee is, but you can drive the Childress Vineyards car, two thousand eighteen. I mean, it's incredible how many drivers he has on here, other than just the paints. He he's probably got like all of them, literally. Yeah, I'm still lost in here right now, just looking through them. Yeah, right, <laughs> same. Uh, I remember jskis.com. I used to go there for uh, racing rumors and news. And jsky had a paint job uh, website where you could look up every paint job he could uh, come up with as well. You know, but they were actual photos of the paint jobs. But this is the virtual uh, version of that. So find it, guys, by uh, searching the forums "my free paints." Next up, uh, I'll take is lights, camera, action. Uh, Alexander Horn. Uh, posted up in the forums. This is a big new project of ours for 2020. We're going to be redoing all cameras for all tracks. The first two are Lime Rock and Lernerville. I just finished Daytona Road and we will keep going from there. After last year's peak series, we thought it would be a good opportunity to take some improved NASCAR camera sets and apply the same methodology to each track in the sim. The TV mixed set is especially cool because you will see something different every lap. We are planning on adding other camera improvements for 2020 for the broadcast and beyond. And so, so far, we have Lime Rock and Lernerville and Daytona Road are the three that have this new uh, camera style. Now, I haven't tried it yet, but I, I'm probably going to try it tonight. I want to check this out. What do you guys think? Uh, did we need a new camera? Um, probably. I think it's always nice to have something new to try. Change it up a little bit. I think uh, it something different every lap. I like that part. I think it just kind of shows the value of iRacing being a subscription. Um, most other games wouldn't even think of this, but the sim we got, it's phenomenal. And I'm sure they see how much work their broadcasters put into making their own custom cameras. And I think this is a long time coming. And I think it's a great addition. Yep. Uh, thank you for that. Let's keep those new cameras going. Um, all right, Chris Scales, uh, F3 new damage model special video. Yeah, we have a new uh, uh, a YouTube video posted by iRacing kind of showcasing um, the new damage model on the F3 car. And um, I, it looks fine. I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing wheels and wings fly off. I want to see something with some fenders on it. But it's um, a good four or five minute video of crashes. Wasn't there one shot where... I shared it to you guys where this had a, de a, a debris field uh, out there and the guys were having to drive through it. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be so perfect for a NASCAR. Uh, you're going around Dover. You go up onto, down onto the backstretch and it's just debris everywhere. And you have to be careful not to cut your tire. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't think now, as of right now, I don't think they do damage to other cars. I might be wrong, but I think yeah, that's one thing I want to... Well, so I say I want it, but also I was driving at or, uh, Daytona the last night, and I kind of did the glitch through a car and 
So at the same time, I'd like to glitch through a tire too. Right. Yeah, you could still get hit by those tires um, that are bouncing out there and cause damage to yourself, but I don't think we'll see tires come off on the cup cars the same way we do these open wheel cars. I think it'll be more just uh, fenders and parts laying around on the track. Yeah, the tires shouldn't, I guess, really. They should be tethered now. Yeah. If they are in real life. But yeah, yeah. just the little fenders and start to see a piece of sheet metal to cut a tire. That'd be cool. Be like Days of Thunder where you're bump drafting somebody to knock their bumper off to yeah, slow them down. It's going to come off. I'm excited to see what it looks like on the oval racing. All right, let's keep going. Uh, I got the NASCAR iRacing Series fixed 2019 stats uh, and open as well. And uh, this is something, guys. Uh, Rob Crouch from Australia. Now, not only did he put this together, he put together a... Uh, um, these kind of stats package for every series out there in the in season four. So if there's a series, there is a stats page about it that Rob Crouch has put up. He probably posted over 200 posts or something in the last uh, week or so. And um, but this is the one I'm interested in: the uh, NASCAR iRacing series. And so, uh, what are you guys seeing here that really jumps out? I mean, first of all, the uh, participation. Uh, 7,411 drivers and then 4,221 in. So fixed is almost double open. Uh, that's interesting. I will say with it being my first season, I tended to favor the fixed NIS myself personally. I think it's easier for us younger drivers that are starting out on this to jump into fixed and worry more about driving our line and learning how to get through the race than worrying about if we're even going to be competitive based on setups right what what amazed me was the average strength of field per time slot on the fixed series almost every time slot was over 5,000 I think there's only two time slots under 5,000 strength of field average um but even those were one was 4,700 and one was 3,700 so the fixed series I think gets a lot of people and really really competitive fields I think having that Fixed setup just means it's all about the driver, and I think members like that. The 115 drivers raced in 30 or more weeks in open, 201 in fixed. That number, 115, man, I want that number to be bigger. That's the one I want to grow. I'll, you know, we have 4,200 people in open, but only 115 are running the entire season. And so how do we get that 115 as a community to, to grow? Let's get that to be 600 to 1,000. I mean, I don't know why we can't. People won't commit to it. Uh, they miss too many weeks, I guess. I think if you really kind of compare the two, the open and the fixed, really the only difference is having that fixed setup. Um, I think if iRacing wants to grow participation on the open side, um, they sh I think they should offer more baseline setup options. I know that would be a lot more work from, but I think that's the biggest reason we don't see the growth in open over fixed is I think people want to get out there, have a good competitive time, but may not have the time or the confidence to build the setup. And I think if iRacing had two or three setups per track uh, for, they say, different driver skill levels um, or different scenarios being it's this hot, it's cold out. Yeah, something I think yeah. just doing that would probably be a big uh, benefit. Because um, that's really the only difference between the two. There's already some really even free sources that are out there that are pretty easy to get a hold of the setups. Um, I think I'd 
No, I don't know if that's the big holdup. Um, I just think some people don't feel comfortable even tweaking a setup if, if they have a better base to work with. It is a different, it is a different world, um, and some people just want to hop on and race instead of uh, playing NASCAR engineer too. And I, so I, I think I don't think even doing that would really drastically change the participation level. This one gets me. 6.7 million laps were completed in the 2019 fixed series. What about the incident count for the fixed series? 450,000 incidents. Uh, to, to Back to Will's uh, comment a moment ago about strength of field uh, spread evenly. I really like on the NIS series how, how many races they have per week. And I think it's right at that sweet spot where... It, you're like you like you pointed out. You're not getting uh, certain starts on certain days that don't have a good strength of field. It's pretty equal. The it's worked really well for me. I've really enjoyed NIS because with my we talked about this with the league racing. I I can't make every Monday night. I can't make every Wednesday night or Friday night because of because I perform or have to rook a ball game. But uh, having the option if I miss the Friday to still try Sunday. Is great. Now, some weeks I can run all three. And there in the summer, I ran all four. The geographical breakdown uh, 76% is the United States, and then 6% Canada, and then uh, 3% was UK, Iberia, and D E A T C H, 2% Australia, 2% France, 2% Brazil, and then everything else 1%. But most of them are U, uh, drivers are U.S. based, seventy-six percent. And then the breakdown within U.S. Uh, by club, uh, Carolina and Mid South have the biggest chunk at twenty-two percent between the two of them. Oh, so that's kind of expected, I guess, because that's NASCAR country, right? You might find it interesting jumping ahead a little. Uh, it's interesting that they only break it down by U.S. because when you look at the road, it's broken down by country instead. Well, with most of the drivers in the U.S., I think that might be appropriate. But So Ryan Kuhn was the championship uh, overall leader uh, winner. Um, congrats to him. Seth DeMerchant second. Thomas Keene third. David Hall, most race starts in the Open. You're number one on the list. I had to do something, Will. Good job. Well, you're the only one on the team who made any of these lists. So You had 99 starts. And so it's a 36-week season, so that's r- roughly three three a week? Yeah, during during March and season, I was making usually two a week. But like I said, during the summer, I could really make all four. Or was it? Is there even five opens, or is it just four? There's four opens in there. Brad Procknow had the most starts and fixed at 126. Uh, how about the most wins? Seth DeMerchant, 14 in open. Cole Woody with 19 in the fixed. Uh, what else did you guys see that jumped out at you? Anything we want to jump over? Really cool stats, and there's uh, it's very visually easy to read too. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, come check the links in our show notes, or go find Rob Crouch on the forums. You can definitely see which tracks are the popular tracks and the unpopular tracks by looking at the participation numbers, like compare Daytona to Sonoma. Right, Daytona, Talladega. Uh, are the big ones uh, Auto Club? There were sixteen hundred drivers week one at Daytona. There was three hundred 
and change at Sonoma, almost 400. The final day goes 1100. Okay. Uh, let's keep moving, David. Uh, he also posted season four road series stats. All right. There's a whole lot more diversity in here that it gets hard to dry up into because there's so many different series. Uh, there's you know open wheel. There's closed wheel. So I, may, I mainly just took a look at some of the charts that he has at the beginning, and it's interesting. There's a large count of USA drivers, 28% r- running the races, but when you look at the average I rating, USA is like third from the bottom. So it, <laughs> it's you know it's all the patterns match the stereotypes. There's, no, there's just not as many road racers in America. And it's also interesting to see which series are the most popular based on total drivers per series. Like the Ferrari yeah. GT3 Challenge Fixed, that was uh, very uh, well done. 12,458 total drivers. Yeah, Global, obviously the rookie Global MX-5 is bringing out a huge, you know, 25,000. That's huge. IMSA is obviously big. I run that one, almost 10K. Skip Barber is also really popular at almost 10K. Look at the lowest ones, though. IndyCar. IndyCar Road, yeah, very low. Pro Mazda, really low. The Camel GT. The Grand Prix, is that the Formula One? Yeah. Yeah, 81. The one thing I noticed, because I have the oval stats coming up next, is both like the classic Lotus Grand Prix and the Camel GT, um, they don't have a lot of drivers, but they have a higher percentage of full seasoners. So that's people that have run the entire season. Um, the Lotus and the Camel Championships are right around, or just shy of 20%. So even though there isn't like a lot of participation, there is still a dedicated group of people that race that car every re- week for their official championship. So, I mean, even though it's not popular, That's a good stat. It, it still shows mm-hmm. that people are out there driving it. Because if you compare it to the oval stats, your similar percentages for the iRacing Silver Crown and the iRacing Sprint car um, right there just shy of 20%. So they are the highest percentage of full seasoners. So even though... They're not going as official as often. If you get into those strength of field races, you're going to get a good championship out of those series. Well, Skip Barber is really popular in Australia, actually. You know, we have a, we have a colleague podcast that, that talks about it. And they, they have a particular race that everybody aims for to get a really high strength of field. And it basically has turned into almost a league for them. Um, so if you have a lot of people who know this is the time zone that's going to be our big race and a lot of people show up and you, even though most of the other time slots it may be empty they have a cup they have one or two races that have really nice fills and so that's where those numbers are probably coming from all right well tell us what you see on the oval side so yeah i just kind of broke down that the um the less popular series tend to have a greater percentage of full season people so if you do want to run for a championship in any car you really can and have a good competitive time um other stats uh shout out to uh japan they have the highest average i rating out of all the regional clubs um followed by finland and brazil which um didn't really kind of expect that um looking at the oval stats but they're up there and um frequency obviously uh, the carolinas have some of the most frequent i racers for oval um and uh, if you kind of break down the regional clubs in the states here massachusetts is Pretty much leaps and bounds above everybody on their average I rating. So not quite sure what's going on there in Connecticut. But uh, they're at pretty much every other club's right in line with those two outliers. Oh, and um, look at the last, the one dead last, the West. Man, right you're you're trying to carry those guys out there. They just need to 
we need to step up, Mike. You're definitely well above their average. So, <laughs> aren't the modifieds really big in the New England area? Yeah, yeah that that might be some of it. Um, yeah, this is just phenomenal amount of information. Um, almost too much to take in at first glance. One thing I do want to mention is participation. The rookie street stock was one of the highest, with I believe twelve thousand um, participants. But that's half of what the global mx5 gets which is open to all members um where the rookie street stock is only open to rookie and d-class drivers so i just imagine how high that series or how popular that series would be if it was open to everybody right uh the one that jumped out to me on the oval side uh, 58 percent us with everybody else uh, the remaining so it's still a significant, uh, it seems like most of the drivers are U.S.-based, that's for sure. All right, let's keep going. David, we had a firestorm on social media with pictures about uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. leading the effort at the North Wilkesboro Speedway uh, scan for iRacing. It's happening. Uh, I could go and go through and read all the different tweets, but I'm sure a lot of you have seen them or want to check them out when you look at the show notes. But we've got pictures of Dell and other guys working on the yard. Uh, they've trimmed it down. They've got it raced ready. The, the, the neatest one that was talking about is how he mentioned it feels like a ghost town. And you look at this like like the sign of the of the Wilkesboro on the wall, and you can tell that it's uh, definitely ready for a if humans were gone show what was that tv show that was out when humans leave that shows what what happens to all the when nature kind of takes everything back over i forgot what it was called it was on the science channel or something but um yeah it's interesting uh, i look forward to getting to see it because i was never really i was not really a nascar fan when they ran it wilkesboro so i hear all the all the talk about it but i've never really uh seen a race there so i'm looking forward to when it comes out yeah, you can see it's a wet there, and uh, you, Dale Jr. is pulling a weed eater out of the back of a pickup truck, and then later he's on a big old tractor thing, uh, scraping the, the racetrack, and uh, somebody uh, tweeted up that that's the only way Dale Jr. could get laps today, was to get on that thing and, and uh, go around the track. It was a yeah. sweeper. Be really nice if they could do this at some more tracks. And maybe even if it was just the you know how this started, where it was just a suggestion to scan it for posterity and not necessarily ever release it. But man, it just you'd hate to see a track like this go away. And it seems like they caught this one, you know, another year or two, and there wouldn't have been much left to scan. It's it's kind of sad. I mean, there's so much hype and energy behind this, and everybody is willing to step up, and they got the surface looking phenomenal. Um, it looks race ready, the surface, obviously the facilities could use some TLC, but you would think that they would look at this and think, well, why are we trying to chase tracks in Nashville and this and that when we have this gem right here in our backyard rotting away and there's yeah. people that are clamoring to preserve and save it. It's a, uh, you would think Marcus Smith has approved this and they should take a look at this and think, wow, this is the energy we have behind this. Why not? This is history here. And. Yeah, just have the shows. trucks go there or something. People, yeah. people don't come though. People, people just the stands don't fill up. You got, you've got to show up for the race for them to be able to afford to open, the, keep the track open. They make and, their money in TV though, so that's where the money's mm -hmm. from. The track makes their money also with ticket with ticket sales. I almost bet you if you had like a a truck race there during the All Star weekend, like an All Star truck race with a Cup Xfinity drivers and truck drivers. 
that place would pack it just to be a packed house. That's didn't, a good idea. Didn't they bring the trucks back to Rockingham and it pretty well flopped? Yeah, it did. Nobody showed up. Uh, there was a special thanks list from Dale Earnhardt Jr. on uh, Facebook. He named off Andy Houston, Marty Snyder, Chris Busher, Myatt Snyder, Mike Davis, Sonny Lunsford, uh, Tab Boyd. Also, crews from Charlotte Motor Speedway and Bristol Motor Speedway were on hand uh, to uh, get all the grunt effort done. So thank you to all those NASCAR people and the track uh, personnel coming in from Bristol and Charlotte to help. That is just awesome to see these guys get together. And how awesome is Dale Earnhardt Jr., guys? I mean, awesome. Well, he is a big history fan. Uh, he talks about it on his podcast quite a bit. And uh, he's taking advantage of the, the, the influence that he wills to do, do something that's going to be good for the sport, in, in both historically and future. Yeah, thank God we have a guy like that who's uh, looking out for the sport. Yeah, a dude that has every NASCAR race ever recorded on video on a server. So I'm glad that he's a guy that has a lot of money and loves NASCAR. We should be okay for a bit. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, neat to see those uh, coming in. Chris, what uh, did we see next on social media? Where I want to go to work. Where I want to see when I go to work. <laughs> we had iRacing um, tweet up a post that said, Hey guys, it's iRacing here. Welcome to my crib. Come on in. And it's just a, a picture of the front of the iRacing offices and all their beautiful neon. The front lobby, the door, yeah. Yeah, I was really hoping we'd see more, but really that was it. <laughs> but it was enough to make me drool a little bit. Now, if you look closely uh, on the other side of the door where you can see the neon iRacing sign, uh, which looks really good, by the way, it looks like they have three simulators set up uh, side by side there right on the wall, uh, right in the front lobby. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, kinda, it looks like the like if you were walking into any other office, that would be like the main conference room. So I like to think of like that's how they do their conferences is sitting in sims, you know, in rigs. <laughs> One of the things they do do is they do a they do a throw and go challenge or a couple of hosts of their show. They run at Nuremberg in a random car, and one lap, no practice, and they do it in that room. Yeah, I I love the the neon sign on the wall. Like they should really put those bad boys up for sale. I'm sure there's plenty of iRacers that would get a I'll a smaller one of those to put up on their wall. I know yeah. I would. Like a three. I'm all over version. it right now. I hope Greg West is hearing me. Uh, yeah, make a three foot version of that. Put it for sale. I would buy one because that would be awesome in my little uh, racing. Room. Very cool. All right. Next up is very 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 good news. We've been talking about Ty Majeski forever. He is the highest i rating guy on oval in the service and he's been trying to get a nascar ride and boy he lands one guys with nice motorsports full-time in 2020 uh boy what a uh, great opportunity what do you guys think i think it's great news um I, that's gonna be the truck that uh ross chastain is stepping out of um to make his jump over to xfinity but and how it's, many uh, we know it's, they get? i got i think Five or six, right? A couple of those were one I think was disqualified for a parts failure, and the other he wasn't running for the championship, so they didn't count it. But he had plenty of wins. But uh, I think Ty got an opportunity at Roush Fenway at probably the wrong time, um, doing a part time schedule, sharing the car. Um, I think this is a really great, great opportunity to for him to kind of get back to the NASCAR schedule and really show his talent. Because anytime I've watched him race, he's always at or near the front. Um, whatever series he's in, um, other than the struggles they faced in um, Xfinity. Um, but that 
struggle was across all their drivers. So uh, this is a great opportunity for Ty, and I hope he he does us high racers proud. And I'm sure he will. So that car was cursed, and yeah, yeah he, and yeah, yeah, it was always wrecked, and it didn't seem like it was ever their fault, no matter who was in it. And it's kind of, and that's been kind of the story of his career from what I've seen. I mean, he's always fast. He's he just gets gets wrecked. He should have won the snowball derby, but he got wrecked. So I'm glad he has you know more races to hopefully not get wrecked by somebody so he can show everybody what he's got. Well, I mean, he could step in any truck and run fast, like you said, and do well. But he's stepping into this truck. I mean, the one that's won five or six wins this year, he is going to be a contender for the truck's uh, championship. No question. I'm sure of it. And this is, I believe, his first time going over to the bow tie. Everything he's done is with Ford and with Roush and I know Roush scrapped his Xfinity program, I believe, a year ago. Um, so this is going to be a, definitely a big change, and I hope he uh, does well. That'll make the difference right there is getting in that Chevy. He's championship bound for sure. Well, first thing I asked on the post was, what's the sponsorship? And there's no response. So I don't think they have a sponsor, but they have a driver. So hopefully iRacing will step up and sponsor the truck. Uh, how about that? That'd be awesome. I hope, hope they can swing it. Uh, some, I hope somebody sponsors the boy. But, I mean, he signed for, for full-time, so I don't know if that means they have a sponsor or not. Let's say if they do sponsor it, though, our dues might go up, so maybe we don't want them to sponsor it. Especially in those lower divisions, they rarely sign anybody without already having the sponsorship lined up. So, Okay, David, we got a new video out uh, from NASCAR about uh, Zach Novak and the Ignite champion taking laps. Both Zach and, yeah, and the Ignite champion uh, took some laps out at uh, Myrtle Beach in a nice, pretty iRacing color late model. Um, You got to see him take some coaching. Uh, You got to hear the sound of the real engine. I think this was both of their chance to jump into a full-size real late model. Uh, You got to hear the guys talk about the the old surface out at Myrtle Beach. It was a neat little experience. You heard them talking about how they they felt like they probably could have pushed it more, but when you get in a real car, there's no escape button. So it, trying to find that edge is a whole different experience. Yeah, and I remember when Zach was on the show, he was just like, I didn't want to wreck it, you know. Um, but it, how cool is it Mark Green, who is a former Bush uh, champion, I think, uh, he's the driver coach uh, who's uh, coaching these boys uh, telling them how to get around the track. I kind of need to see Mark Green out there. But uh, he's a NASCAR veteran. He's part of Rev Racing. Uh, the other part of this video that was interesting was uh, Juson Hamilton. Uh, it was from NASCAR. Uh, was uh, speaking about the program and, uh, you know, the the good job that Zach and Max Cookson have done, you know, in this uh, scenario. I'm sure the guys were pretty impressed with, with what they came to not having a whole lot of real car experience but this this sim does set you up to make the transition pretty easily yeah and uh mark green was talking about this particular track has a a certain line that's probably not very intuitive and he was trying to get the guys to figure it out uh and then sure enough they put up an iRacing lap uh and it's it looks exactly the same i thought i was watching it and i literally thought they had switched over to the sim showing them practice on the sim first and then i saw a real real dude standing out there and i was like oh that's actually the car yeah they kind of cut back and forth is that what you're saying between them yeah it is Mm -hmm. interesting yeah there was there was there was a point 
there was a point where I was like, hey, they're showing some iRacing practice footage. But nope, there's a real guy. And that Juson Hamilton, he's the uh, NASCAR eSports director or whatever in charge of people. And so it was neat to hear him, get to see his face. Uh, so check that video out. Uh, NASCAR put it on their uh, YouTube. iRacing put it on their YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, Nick, we got the not top 10 highlight. And we lost you. We got quite a bit of uh, awesome highlights from this one. We got some wheels flying off cars. We got some cars flying, uh, disappearing into trees, all sorts of great stuff um, that you obviously don't want to have happen to you. But going back and watching a video is uh, a good time. I like the guy jumping at the Bathurst. He, uh, there's a jump there at the bottom of the hill if you go off track just right. And he jumped it pretty good, was going to land it, but there was a car there and he hit the car. Yeah, that was my favorite one, too. So it was a cool down after a league race, and you hear the, the other guy say, hey, man, that hurt. He must have been like a proper rig or something. Well, yeah, it sent a, that car in quite the spin, too. I mean, he didn't hit the wall lightly. Uh, there was another road race uh, where the guy got uh, squirrely and went straight off into the forest. Off to grandmother's house we go, it says. But kind of silly footage. Uh, there was a couple of things where they were going backwards and doing different things. Kind of fun to watch. Okay, Chris, let's uh, go into a uh, contest. Yeah, pretty awesome. So iRacing is uh, giving us a chance to run a real Legends race car. And uh, all you have to do is race in the 2020 Season 1 and 2 of the, in the iRacing Advanced Legends Series, and you could be headed to Charlotte for a private test in a Legends car at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. If you show enough proficiency and meet the eligibility requirements, you could earn a race in the summer shootout the following day. And so yeah, this, is pretty, this is how you drive participation in a series. Um, but yeah, it's real simple. You just race in the the legends races that they, the advanced legend races that they run every hour um, all week long. And if you're top five in points from either this season or season two, they're going to put you in a race with the rest of the guys. So 10 guys battle it out. The winner goes to Charlotte, and if you're good enough in a real race car, they'll put you in the, the race the next day, from what I understand. Man, that is truly virtual to reality there. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, you're gonna if it's is all gonna, the points are going to be by your split, so you're going to have to be a top split guy if you're going to be, um, you know, have a chance to really have a decent chance to run that championship race. But, you know, why not give it a shot? Like I said, it's what a great way to drive participation. And what a... A you know, great thing that U.S. Legends uh, cars uh, gets involved in this. Uh, we have a couple quotes here. <laughs> Quote from the U.S. Legends general manager. He says, all of us at U.S. Legend cars are very excited about partnering with iRacing. It makes perfect sense to team up with iRacing to provide an entry into real-world racing solution with a progression into our cars. You want to really see this go well, right? Because you want to see this guy win this iRacing contest, go there, and then do well in the race. Then you know, they do this again and in some other series, and it could be pretty big. Get out there and run it, guys. I mean, if you don't run it, you, you never know. I mean, how many people know about this? I mean, it wasn't very well publicized. We're talking about it on the show, but uh, how many people are going to know about this? So go run it, you know, and just see where things shake out. All right, Nick, uh, we've spotted Gnome. Yeah, it's uh, wondering possibly a new kind of Easter egg deal going on here. we got some gnomes hiding around uh, Lime Rock Park. 
Uh, a couple of people posting pictures up in the forums of them. It looks like it's got two pages of uh, replies and whatnot going on already. At the new Limerock. So I haven't actually uh, gone in there to find it yet, but uh, sure enough, a garden gnome with the uh, green shirt and the uh, blue pointy hat. Somebody else found a picture of uh, something going on behind the flag stand there at Lime Rock with uh, it looks like a baby Jesus or uh, in a, an American flag, perhaps. So get in your uh, camera and fly around. And, uh, and, and so that's how you look for those things, guys. When you go into a replay, uh, go to the pit lane camera, hit control F12. Then you can use the control Z. And after you do that, you move your mouse with the mouse buttons and you can fly around and look at everything. Okay, next up, uh, just announced the iRacing 2020 special event schedule. And uh, Greg West posted up a high level overview here. Um, once again, offers a diverse schedule of events for our iRacing members. Uh, the 2020 schedule has seen some changes to specific events as well as long awaited updates to race control. The session season in full is outlined below. Race control updates. The endurance special events for 2020 will feature the stop and go penalties at predetermined incident limits in order to minimize disqualifications from these events. They have standardized these penalties based on race distance and will be using this model throughout the year. It is recommended that you familiarize yourself with the track limits of the various courses as well as familiarizing themselves with the incident penalties for each event. Uh, splits. It says all events with the exception of the Indy 500 will have attached qualifying and be split by I-rating. This will allow for full use of the dynamic weather engine for these events. The Indy 500 will have detached qualifying with static weather to replicate the real-world counterpart as close as possible. And then I click on it and uh, I'm going to focus on the ovals, but I got the Daytona 500, I see the Indy 500, the Charlotte 600, the Indianapolis 400, which is what, the Brickyard, uh, the Darlington 500, and that's it. So they replaced Bristol with Darlington. That's a yep. good change. Yep. And there's no Homestead, long Homestead. Well, they won't be at Homestead for the season finale. I think they're going to be at uh, Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. But it won't be long. Any other uh, guys, uh, anything you see in the schedule that we uh, need to review? And the Daytona is that the weekend before the real Daytona, and um, both IMSA and Le Mans are running IMSA the following week, which which makes it a little hard to to do practice races before the the big special event. So it'll be, I guess, running all hosted races if you want to really get a lot of practice in. And so the first one on the list, Daytona twenty four. Uh, David, a quick update on how we're planning for that. Oh, right now we're just seeing who wants to drive what. Uh, we'll see if we got enough to fill two or three cars. And uh, I, we got the guys that invited me to um, run with them in that charity race. I uh, didn't really go into details on that. I never got to get, get in the car, basically. Uh, the guy, I was two laps from getting in the car. This is a familiar story. And uh, the guy spins it, puts it back into the wall and kills the engine for eight, for an hour. And at that point, we called it. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll see if we uh, can put together two or three teams. I've been painting like crazy, too, getting the whole fleet set up of kind of similarly schemed cars. Okay. Nick, uh, we got a spotting of a magic bus. That we do. Logan Clampett posted up on Twitter a picture of a uh, 
Lightning McQueen bus. I believe it's at Lernerville Speedway on iRacing here. So uh, check around, see if you can find it. It looks like a bunch of people already have seen it and have uh, gone out and found it. Yep, and then we also had a Instagram of the pace truck at Lernerville up on two wheels. Yeah, that pace truck there is uh, pretty wild. That's the uh, first dirt track where you have your pits outside of the track, which I think is a great addition. They should adjust the other tracks accordingly. But the uh, depending on when the caution comes out and where the leader is, that uh, pace truck just, I mean, he is definitely in pro to pro four mode coming onto the track. And he'll uh, kind of miss the turn going into one and two and put it on two wheels over that transition to the uh, Oh, I call the outfield out there. So it's uh, definitely fun to watch. <laughs> so he kind of, for our audio listeners, he kind of overshot the banking, went on the opposite side of it and, it, and it went up onto the right side tires, and he almost flipped it over. It would have been kind of funny if he rolled it. So I wonder what happens if they, the pace truck rolls. I think we've seen it at Bristol where it hits, it disappears into the wall. But Yeah, I know at, uh, I think, the uh, Lanier dirt track, um, it basically drives through the concrete wall um, on the back stretch and kind of does like this weird jump over it where it almost flips and then comes back down. So there's some uh, animation issues there that probably should be touched up at some point. But uh, if they're entertaining to watch, I don't think anyone's complaining. Okay, Chris, we got iRacing sponsorship uh, out there again. Yeah, uh, Carson Elledge, um, Dale, er- Dale Jr.'s niece uh, tweeted up that um, she scored a ride to the Chili Bowl, and iRacing is going to be her sponsor. So really awesome to you know see them at the Chili Bowl with at least one car, and you know <laughs> probably with Kyle too, right? Yeah, I would think so. So yeah, they'll probably have more than one car. Kyle and Christopher, and now maybe Carson. So three cars, maybe that's great. Yeah, hopefully, good chance of winning it again and getting that na- iRacing name out there. Okay, uh, bug was found in the forums by Jamie Wilson. Uh, he posted up a, a picture of an interesting picture of the Ford Mustang GT car where um, you're looking at uh, the driver and the steering wheel and the steering shaft and you can see the shaft going up and then it ends and then there's empty space for about six inches and then the steering wheel. So the steering wheel is not actually attached to the steering column. So it's kind of an interesting photo. Speaking of bugs, we also had a guy point out an issue with the beta UI uh, showing that the beta UI is not properly introducing marbles to the track if you request, if you want it to be a high usage track. And the staff has already replied and said, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We are, we already have a fix coming out for it. Is this just another reason not to use the beta UI? I mean, isn't that, isn't Flash going away from Chrome and that going to kind of make it harder to run the, the the regular interface. Yeah, there's going to be reasons we need to do it, but man, they got to get that thing buttoned up. All right, uh, next up, uh, real quick, was the uh, AI. They were talking about in the forums a, a setting that you can set that's called Avoid Me. And um, somebody was asking, what does this really do if you pick this setting? And so Tyler Hudson said, it's simply a setting that does exactly what it says, or at least it's supposed to. It means if you're racing with AI, they'll kind of get out of your way, no pun intended, to avoid racing you hard or contact. This is especially good for drivers who aren't quite experienced with racing 
or just lack some race craft as they develop and learn their skills. For most people, I suspect it is an option you will avoid. So did you guys have that on when you tried it, or do you know? I didn't have it on. If the AI was going to wreck me, I wanted them to really wreck me. <laughs> yeah, same here. But yeah, they, they leaned on me a bit. They never got into me, but no, yeah, it was unchecked for me. But this might be a neat setting if uh, mom is going to sit down in my cockpit and, and try a lap. You know, the, who's somebody who's never done it, right? They need like an aim for me button as well, just so you could get ready for some of these races too. So yeah. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want all three options. Neutral, avoid me, and hit me. Neutral, neutral, avoid me, and NIS. Bottom okay. split button. All right, Chris, uh, po po most popular driver is still open. Yeah, you can still go out and vote for um, the uh, most popular driver for peak last, uh, last year, whatever it's going to be next year. Um, but it was stop letting me see the results. It's let me vote, but I can't actually look at the results. Can any of you guys see who's still who's leading at the moment? No, I don't think it shows you the who's leading. And one thing I noticed is it, it says presented by Team Razor, and I don't believe that was there last week when we talked about it. It wasn't. Uh, there was another post yeah, by Matt Busa saying thank you to Team Razor for sponsoring. So, yeah, I wonder what's up there. That seems like a good fit. You know, if they start, um, and Razor's all about all the accessories and kind of ties right in with eSports. Hey, I got me a Razor keyboard, man. I'm loving it. That's an awesome keyboard. Yeah, those are great for iRacing, too. That's yeah, the ones that light up. You can tell when the caution comes out, when it's green. Yeah, it flashes green and yellow, you know, and it's uh, caution, it's yellow, it's uh, pretty cool. Okay, next up, uh, this was just announced today, too. The iRacing All-Stars uh, race is going to pit the world's best against each other December 14th. And so, uh, there was an article put out by iRacing today on their website, um, and says, to be eligible, drivers either had to win this year's iRacing World Championship in their respective series or compete in two or more distinct World Championships in 2019. The event itself will feature a madcap format that pits drivers against one another with a mix of iRacing's newest cars and tracks and longtime favorites in the following order. We got Dirt Oval Street Stocks at Lernerville, the Audi at Catalonia, the Xfinity at Charlotte, uh, the Dirt Row Pro 4 at Wild West Motorsports Park. And uh, boy, this is kind of like what? IROC? That's pretty cool. I would say the only downside to this, this is a phenomenal idea, but this was announced on December 10th and it starts on December 14th. I feel like this is something that iRacing could have announced on the 10th and did like a month or two later and really hyped it up. Um, I'd be really excited to see the best iRacers across all disciplines get into a dirt street stock or see some of the best dirt guys or oval guys go over the road and watch all of them have some fun on the dirt road in those off-road trucks. I think it's great. I'm definitely going to watch it, but I, I feel this like this broadcast. is yeah, I feel like this is just one of those things where iRacing announces something so close to when it's being released that they can't build any momentum or f like fandom up around it because i know this is a i mean a great idea but why are we announcing it four days before it starts well i mean we're a weekly podcast and this was announced just like an hour before the podcast recording and if i didn't get it in today's show 
it would have been over but with by next week's show. And so uh, that's what you're saying, Will, is that there's no time for promotion. Absolutely. Um, I feel like this is how they've done the Ignite series. Um, I feel like the Road to Pro wasn't quite as bad as this, but there's a lot of really, really cool stuff iRacing does, such as the Legend story we had earlier today. But it's all last minute. It's all via the form. It's it's there's no hype. There's no publicity. There's no there's there's, there's none of that. And I think if it was there, it would be warranted, and more more people would watch and get behind these events. Yeah, and the only reason I found this story today was it was through one of the drivers involved. I didn't see iRacing actually post about it, but they do have an article that was put up today. And it's some of the drivers uh, that have ex- accepted, I'll read this. It says, well, over 35 drivers have accepted, including uh, Zach Novak, Alex Bergeron, Blake Machulis, uh, the USAC uh, champion, David Heelman. Uh, global split drivers include uh, Maximilian Benecke, Sebastian Job, uh, VRS GT World Champion m- member Ricardo Lido, and Dirt Oval standouts Joel Berkeley and Lewis Hewitt. Pretty cool. All right, let's jump into uh, hardware software. Uh, the VRS Direct Force Pro wheelbase price has been announced $799. It's going to be a 20 nm Mige motor. Customized with the Direct Force Pro controller. It will also come with a three meter long power cord and enable encoder cables and a two meter long USB cable. All cables are double shield. You can add a motor hub adapter or mounter a motor mounting bracket for $49 each. Price is €899 for the uh, European Union. What do you guys think? Uh, That's a good price, right? Yeah, sounds like it. Uh Kind of what we were hoping for out of the VRS stuff. It's a little bit more affordable than Fanatec. Fanatec, yep. Because Fanatec is the DD one's what twelve hundred or something, and so yep. this is seven uh, eight seven ninety nine, so eight hundred. So yeah, it kind of fits a hole there. The AccuForce yeah. one is kind of in that range, but that's yeah. an older wheel. Yeah, I got I got the AccuForce, and you guys got the Fanatec Direct Drive, and I think this is a great middle option. Um, the advantage I feel like you get with the AccuForce is you do get a wheel with it, with a button box and um, the software. And that software is phenomenal. You could hook it up to butt kickers and stuff. So that's its value. Um, this wheel definitely looks stronger. It's at a reasonable price point where you can add a wheel on for probably not too much more. Um, I kind of wish they gave it an option for that out of the box, but that would probably push that price point up. But this is this looks like the real deal here. Um, VRS has a good name in the community. They seem to be taking their time with this release, and uh, I think this might be one of the go-to uh, direct drive options going forward. They've had pros testing it for months, so they, they have that on their side too. They might as well call it $850, because, I, I mean, what good is it without the mounting bracket? Well, if anybody has Make an existing own. rig that's prepped for a midge motor, um, there's probably some people that don't need it, but I would say... If they, I wish they would give like a $200 wheel option, nothing too fancy, just some extra buttons would be the more popular add-on. Okay, so we'll have to keep an eye on that uh, and figure out what kind of wheels can mount to it, that kind of thing. So, all right, Will, we had more eye candy. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to announce these. Um, I've been watching HPP pedals for a while now. Um, they make hydraulic pedals, and they have a new series coming out called the JBV series. Um 
Mark from HP Simulation posted up in the forums about them. He said, in addition to having inline hydraulics, you'll notice how the transducer is nicely tucked in below the master cylinder, and the circuit board is also housed within the brake pedal base. Lots of other features, too. Um, and if you guys seen these pedals, they are a beautiful piece of engineering. And uh, current price point on the website is right at or just shy of $1,400 with an expected delivery date of three to five weeks. Um, what do you guys think of these pedals? Wow. He's got a shelf of them sitting there, too. So pretty. So pretty, yeah. And I love the acrylic base he's got um, mounted to. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, looks like a showroom usable. Yeah. So I don't think he sells the base. So you still have to figure out how to mount it. But they they are definitely like the, the most compact, clean looking hydraulic pedals I've ever seen. Um, especially with the way the electronics are there underneath the pedal. Um, it's these are really really nice. I don't. I mean, this is top level stuff right here. Yeah, I want to say next gen. You know, next generation, a better design, you know. So Mark has been known for the hydraulic pedals for a long time, guys, as one of the better uh, sets you can get. Uh, he hasn't updated uh, his pedals in, in a, I don't know how long. But uh, with this update, man, if I was looking at pedals, this is what I'd be looking at, even though it's 1400 bucks. Yeah, the uh, I know VRS announced their wheel today. I'm still really waiting for them to announce their pedal set, but I think you're looking at like basically the VRS is probably the best entry level pedals. You have the ultimates and then the HE ultimates. And then this would be like top, top of the line um, best you can get. Yeah. I would compare these with the ulti HE ultimates for sure. All right, Chris, we got the SRC GFX formula seat. Uh, yes, yeah, simracingcomponents.com is now offering a formula style seat. The seat is compatible compatible with 40 or 45 series profiles. It's made with 10 millimeter thick aluminum frame with memory foam padding and comes with a with fixing elements, <laughs> which I, I guess is probably just some bolts. I don't know, um, but. 574 bucks plus 200 bucks to ship this thing to the states. I think I'm going to give Tony Groves 100 bucks and some sheet metal and memory foam and have him uh, build this for me because I don't know. I'm sure, it's really sturdy <laughs> with um, being that thick, but that seems kind of pricey. Man, it's just a cool looking design though. Though it's real low profile. That's what I, the, I low profile. It's not thick in any spot. It's real thin kind of design. Uh, it, it's kind of a formula seat more than a, you know, GT. It, yes, it looks... I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying it's uh, definitely more of... Definitely a formula seat. It looks like it's something you can launch yourself into space with. I would say it, it looks like an upgraded version of what you get with a play seat um, in their formula rigs. Right. Um, so if you, you kind of like that look but want to get something a little bit better quality, I think this is the seat for you. Probably a lot better quality. I imagine the play seat's probably not using, probably is probably half that thick. I know they have a little bit of flex to it. Most of their stuff does, doesn't it? All right. That's Sim Race Components. Uh, David, we got uh, more info on the Derek Spears Designs wheel. Early last week, Derek Spears Design posted a picture on Instagram and it showed off their new DSD Blue F170 Bluetooth wheel. Um, it's a 290 millimeter formula style wheel. It has 32 functions with four push button encoders, six POS rotary switches, and 12 buttons. It's priced at around 500 shipped worldwide. 
Uh, it, it's definitely an F1 style wheel. Lots of buttons, lots of rotary. Uh, my button boxes are DSD. So I know he puts out a good product. Uh, just uh, if you want it, uh, get in there because he he doesn't mass produce in large numbers. Yeah, and he's making this for the SimuCube 2, which he's a distributor of. Uh, I wonder if this kind of wheel would work on uh, the the new VRS. Who knows? All right, so this story, the next one, this is uh, wow. So this cockpit on Sim Racing Garage on a YouTube video from December 3rd that Barry Roland put up, this has got to be a, my dream cockpit. I, I really think it is. I, it really encompasses every piece of motion and different things that I want in a cockpit. And I was just blown away by how much money this thing could cost. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw part of this or not, but I am just blown away. So to start with, he's got the next level racing slider thing on the bottom where the front and the back can slide left or right, okay? That thing is 6000 bucks. We've talked about that before. Then he's got D-Box style up and down on each corner attached to that, okay? So he's got the left-right on the front back. He's got the up-down with the D-Box. What is the D-Box attached to? Guess what? A Sim Labs P1X cockpit like David's got. What else has he got? He's got a belt tensioning system. Uh, and this thing provides six DOF of motion. And uh, boy, what a beast. What do you think? I just wonder at what point is it too much information. Um, I don't know if I could drive as efficiently with all of that stuff going on. Um, but it, it does look like a ton of fun. I just, yeah, just want to go one hour mark and look at it move. Yeah, I just want to go to his house and play on it. I don't want to be having to set it up, or like, yeah, there's got to. If it broke, you'd have to have an engineer come to work on it. But I just want to have a friend that has this. I don't know if I want to own it myself and have to deal with the upkeep and updates. Uh, I'm just blown away by the the build quality of uh, this. In, it's a very long video. It's over an hour. Uh, at the one-hour mark, you could actually see him driving it and it, it moving around as he goes around the track. And uh, it's really fluid in motion kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I know we talked last week about that uh, head physics. Uh, and I feel like this is the exact situation where you would need that software because his monitors are static. And that rig's sliding back and forth, back and forth, up and down. And you don't get that same feeling through the monitors when you kind of look at his monitors versus what his body's doing. And I feel like that's just the one thing that's missing there from it being like almost a perfect experience. Yeah, you're right. On Barry's particular setup here, he is on a stationary monitor. But if you're on VR, you're. but this is a Sim Labs rig. You can put triple monitors on it and you could move it with the monitors. I think that would be the better setup. If you're not using that kind of software, because um, I feel like that would be the most jarring effect to me is you kind of look at the screen and the cues of movement there for so long and train yourself. Now you got all these other motions going on. Is it the rig? Is it the car? I feel like that's where I would probably struggle, um, but I'm sure you get used to it over time. I, I think a must have is the belt. Too. I, I really think that's a huge addition to the whole thing. Because as the thing is moving about, I mean, 
I just think the belts are important to kind of push you down in the seat, you know, and just hold you still, you know, hold you still. That plus under braking as you lunge forward and those belts get tight, you feel that. So not only do you have the muscle memory in your leg of your braking point, but you also will feel it in your chest and ribs of, okay, am I braking too hard? Am I braking too deep? You'll kind of feel that little bit extra because I think you're right. If With all this motion without those belts, I think a lot of it's kind of rendered useless. The neat thing about this build, I think, is you could piece this together over time, right? You could start with just the SimLab P1X, right, like David's got. And then, David, you could go buy the $6,000 piece to bolt it. And then a year later, you could buy the D-Box stuff. And then a year later, you could buy the belt system. I mean, and so you could just kind of build on this. It's not like you'd have to go buy everything at once. But uh, Barry Roland, man, I'm, uh, I'm impressed. Uh, check his video out at Sim Racing Garage. All right, next up, let's see here. We got the Insecta.tech is the website. And uh, boy, what kind of uh, cockpit is this? It's very unique look to it. Uh, even the name, what do you think of the name? It's called the Fire Ant 2, or we got the Dragonfly. Yeah, they got, it looks like uh, they have a couple different options depending on the uh, uh, degree of motion. You have the Fire Ant 2, Fire Ant 4, Fire Ant 6, and then the full range of motion, which is the Dragonfly. But I think the most unique thing about this is if you kind of compare it to the last rig we were talking about, these actuators are, I mean, next level extreme. There's four metal rods in each actuator moving, and it's a, uh, you almost have to be three, four feet up in the air to, have the uh, dragonfly to get all that motion right the dragonfly's got the, the like you said the longer actuator arms and the and the seat is up in the air i mean it's like it's like those videos you see where they're the full-on motion almost and uh and this thing is selling for sixteen thousand dollars and so so this is kind of the opposite of that other one because you can spend all this at once and buy this entire package you know and boom you're good to go uh, that fire ant one, it looks more like a D box kind of style. It's a more of a, a, I don't know. The motion isn't as extreme as the dragonfly, I guess is the way to call it. And it says forty two hundred dollars on that one, which I thought was pretty impressive. Because I mean, you get, I mean, you don't, you don't get anywhere near the motion of that sixteen thousand dollars setup. But you get, I mean, it's pretty good. What most people would consider, you know, just a D box rig, and a what most people are getting are out of it. Than yeah, that. yeah, that's so a cheap, have, yeah for that. Yeah, not bad. And it looks really cool. I really, I looked all over their site. I wish I could see where they're selling that seat for, because that is a cool-looking seat for that rig. Yeah, the seat is pretty uh, cool-looking. But, uh, wow, this is uh, insane stuff. It, it's different, different, different than your normal stuff that we see. It definitely has a different look. It's hard to describe. Looks like a bug. <laughs> okay, next up, David. So we have a Sim Magic uh direct drive wheel i guess a new direct drive wheel i've never heard of this one before looks like it comes out of hong kong uh considering the political situation you never know if you might be able to get a hold of that or not uh, it's a direct drive wheel on the cheaper pricer point looks like about a 800 with with the rim of uh, 10 nanometer 10 nanometers of torque or is it newton meters newton meters of torque which is lower than i believe uh the either of the Fanatec wheels come from. So it looks like it might be a good option on the cheaper side for a lower indirect drive wheel. 
Other than that, it's new to the scene. Haven't really seen any reviews on it yet. Nope. I haven't seen anybody in the forums talk about this really, but you know, we were kind of talking about, should we even talk about this company? And I went and looked at our listener, uh, balance uh, amongst countries and guess what we have 84 listeners in hong kong so i you know what let's talk about it uh, because they sell these in hong kong and uh, maybe those guys want to uh, hear about it the website is sim fai-solutions.com okay uh chris rig review uh, yeah um i'm not really sure uh, what brent has made this rig out of it looks like maybe a pt cruiser or PT something cruiser yep is a PT Cruiser, but yeah, it's pretty cool. He's uh, slapped a Fanatec wheel in there and his pedals on the floorboard, and he's looking for uh, feedback, some ideas on um, where to mount his keyboard and mouse. If you uh, click his profile and go to his uh, second-to-last post, you'll see a picture of the PT Cruiser. Uh, he's got it in his house. He's got a monitor installed in place of the windshield, a big wide uh, widescreen monitor. And then obviously the wheel and pedals and everything, you know, set up in the driver's seat. He's got his keyboard sitting over on the passenger seat with the uh, the mouse, and uh, pretty cool, I guess it works, huh? Yeah, it's a cool setup. I'm I'm kind of surprised we don't see it more. I mean, plenty of people have some old cars in a garage. Get more of these. <laughs> it's cool. Like, how do you get it downstairs to the basement, though? You know, it's a little too wide to get down the stairs. All right, That's well. Right. So I was just trying to see if he actually solved his problem. I didn't see where anybody had, if he had actually had an updated picture. He might just have to get rid of his cup holders. Quite a project. All right, Will, what you got next? Yeah, so we have a 8020 rig from drivegameseat.it. looks like a company based out of Italy. Um, they have some 8020 rigs up on their website. It looks like um, a couple of them are coming soon. They have some pretty simple options that don't, unfortunately, have pricing because they are coming soon. But they have some triple monitor stands. Um, some really good looking stuff if you're in Italy or in that area and want to get a rig. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward 8020. There's nothing, you know, no bells or whistles, no pricing, but uh, it's out there. It's called drivegameseat.it. All right, let's jump into results. Uh, what do we got here? Will, you ran the NASCAR National Series. Yeah, I told you guys a few weeks ago I had my dad get started in iRacing. Um, he got his rookie license in or out of rookie. In one day, actually. Um, so we started doing the Nas National Series together. Unfortunately, we made different splits. But I just kind of want to talk about the the tires in that race. Um, I know the race went really smooth. Um, it was a two, little over 2K strength of field. We uh, 50 laps at Richmond, nighttime. Uh, qualified, I believe, fourth. Uh, I tried to take it easy on my tires. Um, fell back to about eighth or ninth. I think I fell back as far as ninth. Um, one of the leaders spun, but that was the only on-track incident I saw, and he kept it off the track. But about, I would say, 10, 15 to go in that area, we all started catching back up. So first, second, and third checked out, but fourth through eighth, um, all of us were really close, all within a car length or two. And it seemed like right at the end of that run, especially five laps ago, it seemed like the guy in fourth was the slowest guy. And I was the quickest of the group, but uh, because everyone was so close um, in I rating that everyone was really close on lap time. And uh, I feel like if it was five to 10 laps longer, I could have got up to a top five. But I think the new tires really worked very well. Um, I feel like I personally was just a little too soft on them. 
um, had very, very consistent laps um, for a while to the point where the spotter was getting annoying every time I crossed the line because I'd hear the same number. But I think the V7 tires are perfect for that car. And I can say that I feel like if tire wear was a little bit more or the race or the set, the stint was a little bit longer, it would have played out perfectly in my favor, but unfortunately did it. But the tires were perfect and uh, very, uh, very good change of pace compared to what we had before. Okay. Yeah, I've just been running uh, posted and unofficial, kind of bouncing around, uh, just screwing around. Off-season racing, that's what I've been up to. Uh, let's keep moving uh, to Final Thoughts. Final Thoughts is sponsored by All-Star Graphics, where you can get all your stickers, car wraps, banners, and T-shirts out of Claysburg, PA. Check them out, All-Star Graphics. Chris Scales, Final Thoughts. Uh, not much, just waiting for winter to be over, just working a lot, and not a lot of time for racing. Um, glad those Wednesday night OBRL races are still around, so I can get it out of my system. All right, let's bring on the 2020 NASCAR season. David Hall, final thought. I got a listener shout-out to a listener who dropped in on one of my streams while I was uh, racing at Sebring. We had a nice long chat while uh, uh, I was making my way down the straights. Andrew Philbrick. I don't know if Philbrick is actually his last name or if it's Andrew Phil or if his last name is Brick, but he dropped in and we had a nice long conversation. Definitely trying to build up the following and interact as much as I can without, without it causing too much loss of concentration. So check my stream out. I, I show up on the Tafosi Racing Live page. I usually post it on the Iris's Driving World group as well as the Sim Racing and Iris's streams, and it also goes live on Twitch slash Mixmage. Okay, very good. Dick Williams, final thoughts? Uh, not too much right now. We're building a couple of real race cars for next year for me, and I think I'm going to be running C-Open over this winter here and uh, trying to get ready for Road to Pro next year. So uh, just going on that right now. All right, very good. Good luck with the new race cars. Will Gibson, final thought? Uh, yeah, kind of the same thing I've kind of said on final thoughts last few weeks. I wanted to just uh, congratulate my dad. He actually won his first um race at charlotte in the street stocks so he had a win uh winning ratio of 100 there for a moment he had to rub that in um picked up i think three wins getting to his d license and right now has a d 3.97 so he'd probably be to see pretty soon i'm trying to talk him into getting everything he needs to run nis um with us so hopefully he gets into that but um this is kind of Kind of annoying he won his first race out there. I'm sure I'll never hear the end of that, but I feel really good. I walked him through building his first computer and getting set up, and uh, it's been fun to race with him. And uh, thank you, iRacing, bringing families together. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We're, we're happy to have him on the iRacing with us, and it'll be great if he runs NASCAR season with us too. Um, uh, we're, we're happy to have that. So my final thought, uh, first a shout-out to a, a listener as well, Jeff Mapes. I ran uh, dirt trucks with him the other day, uh, Pro 4. Uh, he said uh, he just got involved with the Jim Beaver team, actually, um, to run some dirt. Um, and then an uh, update on my uh, graphics card. Um, I RMA'd the 1080 Ti back to NVIDIA, and uh, they are going to take a look at it and do what they do. Meanwhile, I bought that 2070 Super. Uh, ran really good uh, for a, a day or so, and then the next day, the computer failed again, much like it did before with the old card, but this time with the new card. And I, like, panicked. I'm like, oh, crap. I 
maybe that bad card's not bad after all. Um, you know, if I'm having the same kind of problem with the new card. And then, I, you know, being on the team and having people to lean on and ask questions and get ideas. Uh, somebody got me thinking about, uh, do I have it in the right place? And so there's multiple video slots in my motherboard. And when I went into the BIOS, it says, hey, if you only have one card, you need to put it in this slot, the one at the top. And I had it actually at the bottom. So I moved it. And guess what? I haven't had a problem since. And so I have no idea if I have a bad video card or not. I spent $500 on a new video card. I probably didn't need to. I don't know. I have no idea um, after all that has ha occurred. Uh, the old video card was on a riser. It wasn't even in the slot, so maybe it was a problem with the riser. So, um, yeah, I. so we'll see what happens. I'm just $500 less, but I'm loving the new video card. I'm able to stream. I've been streaming a lot uh, on Facebook and Twitch and doing different things, just trying to get some activity going and uh, really liking the new card. It runs pretty hot, but uh, so far, so good. All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.